0: Hi, this is Roger Green, host of the Surfing National Tsunami Podcast. This weekend we are offering six conversations from episode 42, our review of last week's SLV Summit, plus from the vault, a conversation from what was called the NAVAL Summit back in 2022. This conversation starts with me observing that one reason the energy in this meeting might have been higher is that sessions like the one Jorn described that were less about sharing answers and more about identifying new topics and raising questions. Jorn Schottenberg segues to a talk he gave on weight loss and bariatric surgery and what it might mean for how we consider and treat muscle patients. Louise Campbell asks whether the audience for this meeting was more diverse than in previous years, specifically mentioning the Society for Obesity. Bjorn mentions that the impact of the video stream made the meeting far more accessible than in past years. Hannes Hoxler notes that going forward, he would like to hear questions from different specialties and, in fact, more from general physicians and surgeons than in years past. I mentioned that I saw more cardiovascular discussion in this meeting than in prior years and also perhaps speakers from more different geographic regions or like broader cross-section of the globe. I also mentioned a second. On new techniques and their pitfalls and promises, that again raised more questions than answers. Jorn notes that the outcome from this basic science is pivotal because it will define the targets for future drug research. The rest of our conversation revolves around the impact of making our focus less liver specific and more metabolic or multi organ. And in closing, Louise Campbell asked what came up in the meeting that we can be using now, and Hannes Hoxman goes back to the diagnostic pathways and pursuing broader use of FIB4 in school. The SLD Summit 2023 revealed some of the new energy and areas for research brought about by the nomenclature change and presented existing new concepts for basic science and drug development, all of which promises a very exciting future for little researchers. These interviews with Sven Franke and Hannes Hoxman capture some of the exciting novel concepts, so just uh, sit back, listen, learn, enjoy. When you're done, join the dialogue on our LinkedIn discussion group. Jörn, when you talk about the energy in the meeting, one of the things that struck me as energizing was that session and several others that really didn't come with answers, but came with questions or progress reports that weren't quite quite ready. I mean, things that aren't quite ready for prime time yet, if you will.
1: Jörn Schottenberg, And it was. And I missed Geltrude Mingroner, who has a huge bariatric surgery session, and she presents some data on the independent weight loss, independent mechanisms of these bariatric surgeries. And again, that lines well with a session I did on bariatric therapy, still the concept that we can use weight loss and weight loss, independent treatment effects from those bariatrics
0: therapies, and we can learn something in the field. I, I thought that was interesting. Can you summarize what we can learn in 30 seconds or two minutes or some reasonably short period of time?
1: We're heavily discussing weight loss these days, but clearly in particular in the advanced disease stages, we'll need more than weight loss. So while very effective weight loss drugs might cure a lot of the F0, F1, Masal-D treatments, we'll be looking at liver-targeted specific therapies that could come out of the realm that I discussed that could come out of weight loss. Independent effects were seen with those weight loss inducing agents, let's say, glucagon receptor activation in the liver, but we'll have to understand that better. And as such, I think uh, there is still a lot of room, uh, independent of all the progress we've made with treating obesity in these patients. And I think that last session
0: gave us a, a lookout and an idea of what might be coming. That's exciting. Louise or, or Hans. any questions for Jorn about that session? Hannes Hochstrom.
2: Well, no, I think yeah, it was a very interesting session with a lot of novel therapeutic that might come up. I'm always a little bit afraid that we will have to do very expensive drugs in a very large population. But if we, as you say, can narrow down the population that that we want to treat with these more expensive drugs, then uh, perhaps there's a role for them as well.
3: Louise Campbell. My main question was, I got a sense, I didn't attend the meeting, but I got a sense from looking at social media there was a more diverse audience. The Society of Obesity were tweeting, so they were obviously present. I wasn't sure how to diverse the audience were, but it was really nice to see other societies who are our co-partners in these diseases weighing into steatotic liver disease on the positive and how it can ch- help and change their community. Was there a feel that there was a a, a different dynamic in the room? Uh,
1: Luis, you're talking about the different dynamic among the different stakeholders.
3: Yes, there seemed to be certainly more visible presence from those outside the meeting like myself who got it on Twitter and things like that. There was a big bigger stakeholder presence there than maybe at Paris Nash, for example, because that was only a couple of weeks before. Yeah. So
1: I think you can't compare it with Paris Nash because it's a speciality uh, meeting. Easel SLD Summit clearly has a bigger footprint. I watched the first session given by Matthias Heikenwelder on the immunophenotype of HCC and MASH from the car driving from the airport to the meeting. And it felt like I was there. So the opportunity to follow through the web stream, I think, opens up this to a larger crowd and you have a larger uptake. I'm going to be excited to hear what Ian thinks because he wasn't you know, physically attending, but I think he went uh, back and maybe see, saw some of the sessions. So in general, I would say yes. It's still a heavy crowd. So we haven't had cardiologists attend, but the ESLD Summit is clearly a highlight. And I think it, in its next version, it's going to happen in January 25. So we're going to have a year of pause uh, in between. And there will be a lot of uh, things coming up in the meantime.
0: So uh, I think it has a special vibe. Are they stealing the hashtag of skiing strategy or January for a different reason? Uh, I don't think they've arrived with an hashtag, but...
3: it's going to be interesting when they wait a year given Resmitarone and other medication we may have two medications available then and we'll know how expensive they are or not
2: yeah well this was, Hannes you said maybe to Louise's question <laughs> so I feel like the cynical guy you know, sometimes I feel it's it's mostly the same people talking uh, coming up and putting questions out to the speakers and so on so um, I'm actually looking forward to this, this field being wider so we have a sort of a more nuanced debate and also taking in the opinion I'm always sort of lacking a little bit, uh, you know, the perspective of, of primary care and the chronologists and so on. The, the people that we will we will probably need to work much uh, more with, what are their impressions? There were some comments uh, at one of the sessions from a surgeon, so that was nice to see, but, but uh, I would really like to see even more sort of uh, uh, non-speciality people coming to these meetings and being uh, prepared to, to engage in, in the discussion. You,
0: you know, Hannes, it's an interesting point you make. One of the things that struck me from the program, and this was a session I'm planning to take a look at tonight or tomorrow, was a lot more emphasis on cardiovascular than, than we've seen in previous meetings now. I, I think that kind of goes along with Mosaic being being a thing now in the States and the shift to metabolic focus. I, I expect we will see more of that. I, I've, I've teased Yorn that he's clearly become an endohepatologist at this point, and maybe even an endogastrocardiohepitologist, depending on the day you talk to him. I thought this, by the way, I'm just testing this impression, I thought the speakers were a little more diverse geographically than what I remembered from last year. Australia, Eastern Europe, Was South America, I don't remember, but possibly a slightly more diverse group of speakers. Although, Honest, I take your point about where the questions come from. Did you get that sense in the meeting or was that just me reading the program without? context
2: yeah i mean you probably have a better sense of what what it was looking like last year as well so completely agree there there was a lot of people from outside europe coming to podium and speaking so that was also of course very nice
0: personally one of the sessions that got my attention was the um this is a work in progress was this uh it was kind of that piggyback thing right uh, the special techniques with the promises and pitfalls and mesh, uh, followed by a 25 minute talk on liver organoids and muscle d research i thought each of those presentations was fascinating the second one was did they change who the presenter was and what the presentation was. Uh, and of course, Neil Henderson shared it and I could listen to Neil read a phone book. Louise, of course, all things t- talks about Neil's entry to the podcast. But um, I-, I thought his verdict at the end, which is we're making a lot of progress, but it's not clear that any of this is quite ready for prime time yet, was exciting. Really, it sounds a little bit like the session that you did, except on some basic science techniques as compared to categories of therapy. There were five papers. Neil talked about spatial transcriptomics and fibrosis. Maurice uh, Peisler talked about intravital microscopy and cell trafficking and inflammation. The third talk was not the one that's, that's titled here. It was given by uh, someone else from Berlin. I'm forgetting the talk. Then one on immune cell uh, phenotyping from uh, Charlotte Scott in Belgium. And then the um, 25-minute talk at the end was titled State-of-the-art Liver Organoids in Mozzled Research for Mechanistic Insights for Drug Testing. That was a talk from uh, Leo van uh, Grinsven from, from Brussels. I thought that was really fascinating. And as I say, all these things are in various stages of development. It sounds like they've each got work to do. But we're starting to see maybe a bit of a bifurcation between NIT He's that will be good for drug development once you, once you know if the drug is what you're looking for and basic research. Let me
1: just comment, Roger, because I think a lot of the drugs we're developing from the metabolic space and the diabetes space and to really understand the cell-cell interactions in the liver, drivers of fibrosis progression in the body compartment better. We need those technologies. We got to understand which cells are moving in. If you could block the role of B cells in the liver doing uh, hepatocarcinogenesis, if you could block that specifically without affecting other organs. So really that type of basic science is the academic justification to be there, because these academics are defining the targets and, and empowering drug developers. From my perspective, to hit those targets, and not every basic science model translates into clinics for its relevance. But I think it really helps us to move ahead and leads nicely into that session. You know, in the end, that I briefly discussed gene therapy, the mm-hmm. mitochondrial uncoupling. If you understand the targets and the pathways better, uh, you're able to drug them. That was
0: extremely eloquently said, and the point I was kind of trying to make, but not nearly as effectively as you just did. So why don't we? Uh... Got to wrap up for this conversation. Uh, as I say, Louise and you and I will be back in, in a couple of minutes with Sven. But um,
2: uh, Hannes, any other impressions you want to share with us about the meeting? I was going back to what you were saying about CVD risk. I agree with that. And we as hepatologists usually talk about that. You know, everybody else has to be better at thinking about the liver, but we also have to be better at thinking about the other other organs. So how do we we do that? We are so siloed in in medicine, and uh, maybe it's time to start to develop something like metabolic clinics where these patients get a one stop shop and can get a full evaluation of, of their metabolic state, including the liver, the kidneys, the heart, everything.
0: Well, it's interesting because you say that because it's two weeks in a row. Veronica Miller made the comment last week weekend talking about Paris Nash from a regulatory perspective that when you change the name of the disease, well, one of the questions Louise has asked forever is why don't we include mace, for example, as an endpoint as compared to simply such reduction in mace as an endpoint as compared to mace as a, as a side effect or safety should be avoided. Veronica's comment was when you change the name of the disease, who knows? You know, that might become possible. Agencies might look at it differently.
2: It's also probably possible to factor in this in a design where you use the sort of the win ratio. It's a pretty concept that they use a lot in cardiology. I don't think it has come to hepatology yet, but where you you can have a hierarchy of of outcomes and and, um, weigh those against each other to see um, if the patient is sort of a winner or a loser, depending on, on what treatment you get. So maybe that's something for future trials.
3: I just want to ask these are basic science conferences, they're about the future developments, the potential drug targets. What can we take practically away from this conference to start to help our patients now? We have a problem now. Science takes a long time to get anywhere. But where are we now as the end of the SLD um, summer in Prague about being able to put this into pathways to try and help our populations? in the next couple of years.
2: Well, I I agree, Louise. We might not have the perfect tools. We don't have the perfect diagnostic. We don't have the perfect prediction tools or any perfect treatment, but we have to do something today. So I think it's uh, necessary that we, you know, as a community say that to our partners, like, okay, we we don't have all the answers, but this is what we recommend you to do right now. And I think there was some some tendency, uh, there is some tendency in the field to do that, that we are are no longer debating, you know, what do we want to recommend, but how do we recommend it and and, um, to whom should we we recommend it, you know, uh, talk about for for now. Let's, for instance, in the terms of diagnosing these patients at the right time. So let's get behind, for instance, the FIB4 recommendation. Do a FIB4. No, it's not perfect, but at least it's a start. And then when we have that infrastructure set up um, and we we get referrals, we can optimize it. And that will also, you know, if we see that we get a lot of false positives in, which we probably will do, that will be an even stronger incentive for us as a community to build better uh, risk prediction tools. Sorry for the rant.
0: No, no. no! Excellent. Excellent. Great thoughts. Hannes, one last question quickly. Are you going to be in Boston? Uh,
2: Yes, I will be in Boston. Excellent.
0: I look forward to seeing you there. Thanks for joining us today, my friend.
1: And now, back
0: to Roger. We hope you've enjoyed this recording. If you have any questions or comments about the content of this conversation or the entire episode, please put them in the review section of the page from which you downloaded this conversation or send an email to questions at surfingdash.com. We'll be back next week with our first round of individual interviews, and we'll announce our subjects and topics early in the week. Until then, stay safe, surf on. We'll see you on the podcast. Bye-bye now.